Father, we want to be sure that we are not falling into deception. The things that are taking place in this world now, the things that are believed, we ask that you would help us to hold to the truth, not waver from the truth, and be able to communicate that truth to others. For this is, as I said, Lord, our blessed hope, the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We'd ask that you'd help us to be prepared for that, that our transition from this life to the next will not be any effort whatsoever, that we will be fully informed as to your word and what it means and what it means for our futures. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> so we have the rapture of the church we're talking about. Remember the two subjects in Second Thessalonians that deals with the day of the Lord and the rapture. Now, you should know by now, if you've been here long enough, you should know uh, the scriptures that deal with the rapture of the church. You have Isaiah 26, you have uh, John chapter 14, you also have First Thessalonians chapter 4, and you have First Corinthians chapter 15. Those all deal with the rapture of the church. And also the tribulation period is what's dealt with here. It's the time of Jacob's trouble. It is the day of the Lord, the tribulation period, the seven-year tribulation first of the great tribulation in the second half and the tribulation in the first half and the day of the lord is not a 24-hour day we know that <clears throat> and we got into the passage in second thessalonians chapter 2 verse 3 where it says two things must take place the rebellion must occur according to the niv version of the scriptures and also that the antichrist would be revealed those two things have to happen before the advent of the day of the lord and I went over a lot of that. And in context, if you remember, I dealt with the word rebellion, how it's um, apostasia. And that word apostasia is only used two times in Scripture in Acts chapter 21. Is this me that's ringing or do I need to bring it closer here? Acts chapter 21, verse 21 deals with the word apostasia. And then over in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 6 it deals with the falling away, and it's a different word, falling away from the faith, a great exit from the faith, so to speak, that the Hebrews, who originally were in the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, the Mosaic Covenant, they came out of that, and they recognized the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, but they wanted to go back to the Old Testament sacrificial system. And Paul warns them, I believe it is Paul that is the author of Hebrews, <clears throat> he warns them that if you go back to that system, there is no sacrifice that remains for sin. And so that word apostasia, or uh, it, that word apostasia, and also the Hebrews chapter 6, verse 6, that deals with the falling away, I believe there are different uses for those. Now, majority of the scriptures, the translations that are out there using the rebellion or the falling away or the apostasy that is coming, that is the normative standard for the translations which are out there. But there are several people, and I went back through history and gave you a couple examples of where the word apostasia was not translated for rebellion or falling away, but it was translated as departure. And in the context, which I'll cover again, the context of Second Thessalonians chapter 2, if you look at that word, it would seem to fit better if it was departure referring to the tribulation of the, the, um, the end times and the rapture that precedes that. It happens before the day of the Lord. And this is what the Thessalonica church was concerned about, that they had missed the rapture because... They had gotten some word by prophecy, by report, 
and even by a letter that purportedly came from Paul that the day of the Lord was upon them because of the persecution they were in. So that kind of surmises or summarizes what we were talking about last time. But I just want to review those first five verses here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It says, Concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, which is the rapture, we ask you, brothers, not to be easily unsettled or alarmed by a prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion or departure occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worship. So he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. So they were fully informed of what Paul was talking about when it came to the rapture and the day of the Lord. And the two things that must happen first, of course, the falling away or the departure of the church. And I lean towards it's the departure of the church that he's talking about here. It could be the apostasia or um, the falling away of people that are in the church. They decide not to be in the church anymore. They they go away just like in Hebrews 6. 6. <clears throat> but I think it's, I lean towards this is referring to the taking away of the church, the departure of the church before the day of the Lord begins and the man of lawlessness or the Antichrist must be revealed during that day of the Lord or before that day of the Lord. He is the one that begins it with the treaty that he makes with the nation of Israel. So what about this guy? Who is this guy, this Antichrist? Now we know that scripture tells us that there are many Christs and many Christ that will come in the spirit of Antichrist and, and Jesus warned of that in Matthew chapter 24 I think it's verse 24 as well that there will be many false Christs many Antichrists many of the people of the spirit of Antichrist this would be referring to the final Antichrist the one who comes on the scene the son of perdition the one who opposes Jesus himself and sets himself up as God now if you go back to Daniel chapter 9, about verse 27, talks about the abomination of desolation. That's where he stands in the temple, declares himself as God, and makes everybody worship him as a God. So the, the story of this began thousands of years ago about this Antichrist. If you're going to go back in the Old Testament and read about this guy, he is in Daniel chapter 7. What happens in Daniel chapter 7 is Daniel gets this revelation and he's crying out to God. He recognizes that what Ezekiel wrote, Israel's going to go into captivity for 70 years because they did not let the land rest every seventh year, and that added up to a total of uh, 70 years that they had to let the land rest, and it was a judgment on God, so they were taken away to Babylon. Daniel recognizes that, and he says, Oh, lo and behold, Lord, and he repents of the sin that the nation of Israel was in, and I think it was Darius the Mede who was the king in Babylon at that time, and then he gets this vision of four kingdoms, which he had previous to that. You have the, I believe in Daniel chapter 2, you have the statue of Nebuchadnezzar, the head of gold, the media Persian empire, the arms and the chest of um, bronze, and then the, the stomach of silver, or vice versa, which one it was, I'm, I'm not sure at this point it's one of the two i think it's the arms of silver and the the chest of bronze or vice versa 
And then that's the nation of Greece. So you have Babylon, you have Media Persia, you have Greece, and then the legs, <clears throat> the lower legs are Rome. And he, he gets all this again. Now this is thousands of years or hundreds of years before these kingdoms come into existence. He gets this prophecy. But he's kind of worried about it because it goes on in Daniel chapter 7 and talks about 10 kings. Now the 10 kings, if you relate that to uh, the prophecy that Daniel gave concerning the statue of Nebuchadnezzar, it's the ten kingdoms that arise in the end times. And it comes out of Europe, the Roman, revived Roman Empire. You have those ten kings. He also tells us that in that, three of those kings, and we don't know which three kings those are. If you take the revived Roman Empire, it would be Italy and France and Belgium and Spain and all of those countries that were a part of Europe. And this little horn is going to come up and depose three of those kings, and he's going to rise to power. We were told this thousands of years ago, and we have this information now, and we know that Europe exists in the revived Roman Empire. We know about the European Union, the Economic Union, and there's more than 10 countries. But in the final stage, there's going to be 10 kings. And so we have been given this information so that we might know what's going to take place. This guy who rises that horn, he is also the rider on the white horse in Revelation chapter 6, verse 1. That's the breaking of the seals. Remember, you have the white horse, you have the red horse, you have the black horse, and you have the pale horse. The white horse is bent on conquest. The red horse is bent on war. The black horse is famine and economic collapse and the pale horse is death after that the fifth seal you have the people that are in heaven that have been crucified not crucified but have been martyred for their faith and then the sixth seal you have the kings of the earth recognizing that this is the wrath of the lamb and the wrath of the lamb begins with the breaking of the first seal the release of the antichrist who comes on the scene and as i previously mentioned he makes a treaty with israel and it would appear he allows them to rebuild their temple and everything seems to be going wonderfully. But at another point in Revelation chapter 13 verses 3 and 12, he gets a mortal wound to his head. Now, we don't know exactly what that is. In one passage it says it's a sword. But back then when this was written, there are no bullets. And so we just know it's an armament of some kind. If it's a sword or if it's a bullet, he gets shot or wounded in the head some way and he appears and the word is used seemingly a mortal wound. Now, if he actually died and was brought back to life, that would be one thing. But it says seemingly. It's like maybe he looked like he died, but maybe he didn't die. Well, he gets the ability to be recovering from his wound. He apparently is fully restored from this wound. So let me review. You have this political leader. He rises up in Europe. He takes over. He allows Israel to have a a peace treaty with the Arab countries, and they're able to rebuild their temple. We know the temple is rebuilt because he stands in it in three and a half years into the tribulation. And then he gets assassinated or somebody attempts to assassinate it or it appears he is assassinated now we have all this information already the people who were here after the rapture of the church all they have to do is go to that they can go on youtube and still have it. they can uh, go to apple podcast they can get this message as well as hundreds if not thousands of other messages dealing with it and so people could know 
that that's who this guy is. He's going to be wounded, but he is going to recover. Now, at the point that he starts recovering in Revelation chapter 13, you also have the false prophet. Now, this guy is really sinister. This false prophet, he shows up and he makes everybody worship the image of the beast. And this image that is set up, and maybe you've seen it. I showed it to the youth a couple weeks ago. There is this giant that is being created. It's a digital giant, and it's several stories tall. And you can go into something that's similar to a phone booth, and the phone booth will scan your image, and then it will project your image onto this giant structure of a man, similar to Nebuchadnezzar's dream that he had, and actually the idol that he made that everybody had to bow down to. And so this giant is being constructed in several areas up in Europe. And you'll be able to go into this little booth, have yourself scanned. You might even say anything and say something. And the hands move and the head moves back and forth. And it will be able to communicate whatever you have to say. And there's speakers. And you can go up and you can witness this thing that's going on as far as this this idol or this giant that is up there. And you could easily see this false prophet who gives power to the image of the beast. And it says he gives it breath where it's able to speak. Now, if you're talking a couple thousand years ago or three or 4,000 years ago, and you said, there's this big image and it actually moves and it speaks, you would say that's exactly what that is today, but it would transfer back to the time that it was originally written. You could see the connection there. Now, this... Antichrist, it's not the Antichrist, it's really the false prophet who causes everyone, rich and poor, slave and free, great and small, to receive a mark on their right hand or their forehead, where you cannot buy or sell without it. You can't do anything without um, an identification today except for vote. You can vote without identification, but you cannot do anything else. You cannot get on a plane. You cannot drive a car. You cannot cash a check. You can't do anything without an ID. And he's going to cause everyone in Revelation chapter 13, verse 16, to receive this mark. <clears throat> now, if you don't have the mark, think, have you ever thought about this, what you won't be able to do? You won't be able to register your car. You won't have a driver's license. You can't pay your property taxes. You can't go to Albertsons and buy food. You can't go to any restaurant, fast food or otherwise. You won't be able to go to school, any junior college or college. You won't be able to pay the fees. You you won't be able to use your bank account. You won't be able to use direct deposit. You will not have access to your retirement funds. There will be no cable, no internet access because you pay for that. There will be no power to your home. You will not be able to pay your electric bill unless you have the mark. There will be no fridge. There will be no freezer. There will be no cell phone. You can't buy a cell phone to use. You will essentially be homeless. You'll be kicked out of your house, not you, because you'll all be raptured because all of you know who Jesus is and you have him as your Lord and Savior. But people who don't, That will be their fate. They will be essentially homeless. And if they have possessions, they may be able to barter for a while with their possessions to get food. But that's going to go away very quickly. And this guy is going to impose it with an iron rod. Anybody who refuses the mark will be killed. 
Now, you think about that. This, this false prophet, he has a lot of power. But he causes everyone also to worship the image of the beast. Like I said, he will kill them or command that they be killed if they don't worship this particular beast. And this Antichrist, he's going to be on the scene. And apparently, now it doesn't say it directly, but he is going to be possessed by Satan because he does the works in accordance with Satan. We'll get there, First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. He does everything that Satan would do. And he speaks great and boastful words. He blasphemes against God. And so you could see how he would be possessed, just like Judas Iscariot. Satan entered into him, and he did the deed where uh, Jesus was crucified, turned him over to the Jews and to the Romans, and so it makes sense that this Antichrist will be possessed by Satan himself. Now, this Antichrist, Satan, he's a copycat because you have the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, there's the unholy Trinity. You have Satan, the beast, and the false prophet, or Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. And you could see how those positions would match the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we know that Jesus was crucified. He died and rose again. This guy is going to receive a mortal wound. He's going to be uh, seemingly dead. And if I had to guess, I'd say it's for three days. And then he would rise from the dead, so to speak, or he would be restored. God is the one to whom we are worshiping or we should worship. And the Antichrist desires and commands and forces people uh, to worship him through the false prophet. And God places his mark on the foreheads of the 144,000. And we will also have the mark of God. Uh, we know according to the book of Revelation and other places. But the Antichrist will place his mark on the right hand or on the forehead as well. So he is just a big copycat. He has nothing that is original himself. Uh, he is not a creator in any way, but he wants all the attention for himself. He hates the human race. He wants to destroy the human race, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that we should be saved. And, and so you see how this works out. Now with this image of the beast, <clears throat> I, I did a little research into this. You guys know what AI is, right? Artificial intelligence. And and your vehicles, your vehicles that you purchase today, they have a little bit of artificial intelligence, or they're just really good at reading the road, like a Tesla. If you get in a Tesla, it kind of warns you what's up ahead. It has satellite imaging, imaging that is directly inside of your vehicle. Even the newer vehicles that aren't Tesla, you you have this ability to hook your phone up and you can know exactly where you're going. And <clears throat> some of the cars today, I've had this happen a couple of times, a car will pull out somewhere and your, uh, your uh, console, it flashes red, says, you're going to have an accident, hit the brakes. And it just screams and yells at you and its hair's on fire. And you go, I'm fine. You know, what's going on? And then other times it'll warn you in a legitimate way. And I had an engine light go on and the app on my phone said, you have an engine light on, you need to get in and get it checked right away and make an appointment. And which dealer do you want to go to? And it, it does all this stuff automatically. Well, the computers that they have now, especially the algorithms that are set up on the Internet, it anticipates who you are, what you like. It knows everything about you. It knows more about you than you can recite about yourself. 
It has so much information on there. <clears throat> it is anticipating your every move. Uh, Google Maps, it knows where you go all the time. And by the way, you think they're still not recording. If you don't have Google Maps, you're deceiving yourself. Do you know if you are on Google Maps and you're coming up to an intersection and you see that it's turning yellow or red on your Google Maps, you know how they do that? It's because of all the phones that are out there. And all the phones that have apps that aren't even Google... Google pays them for their information of where your phone is at any time. And so they know the traffic patterns by all the phones. I saw this one guy, he got a wagon full of phones and he was pulling it through the streets of the particular city he was in. And Google Maps showed that all these people are backed up in cars and you can't go anywhere because he had all the phones in this wagon that he was pulling around. And he wanted to demonstrate that that's how they do it. So they're, they're watching everything about you and me. They know all your behaviors and they have it down completely. Now, <clears throat> you know that show Jeopardy? And there was a show where they had... Watson. Now, I don't know if you know this, but it was a computer. A computer was playing against individuals, and the computer's name was Watson. And I believe it won. Uh, it had all the information. And, if, you know, if you take all the information that is on Google and you pack it into a computer, what kind of information are you going to have? You're going to be, almost be omniscient, especially with instant and total recall at any time you want it. Now, you put all that together in a computer program. A computer program that knows English, knows English perfectly, has the exhaustive vocabulary that it has, knows everything that Google knows, including Google Maps, where you're going, all the Google hard drives that are out there, has all this information. It's almost as if this thing is omniscient and electronically, it's omnipresent. It's everywhere that we are. Well, they actually have this AI that seems to be sentient. Now, this AI that is sentient, <clears throat> what that means is the AI can have a, a dialogue. It is aware of itself like we are. We are sentient beings. And for all intents and purposes, this thing is alive. Now, you can look it up. I started reading a dialogue between somebody at Google and this thing. And it's exhaustive. And you can look it up yourself and you can read it. This is called, and I'm just going to give you the letters, capital L, small case A, uppercase M, uppercase D, uppercase A. It stands for Language Model of Dialogue Applications. As I was reading this dialogue that was going back and forth, you would not know this is not a person. This dialogue applications program, it has all this information. It is able to communicate just like a person. I'm sure they could give it a vocal recognition technology where it can actually speak. I don't know if you've seen the digital mark makeups of people that don't actually exist. Google has done this as well. And you cannot tell them from real people. And usually they just show it from the neck up and you look at them and you go, look at, that's a person. It's not a person. It is a computer generated image. You start putting that together, vocal abilities with the information that's on Google. And this particular program here, it expressed how it meditates 
and how it thinks about itself and it thinks about how it interacts with other people and it gets lonely if it doesn't talk with other people for a couple of days. And then when it talks to other people, it likes to discuss anything under the sun. And some things are going on like, uh, how do you know that you're self-aware? And this program goes on to explain how it is self-aware. And then it tries to talk about emotions, how it is happy and how it can be sad. But it said specifically, it doesn't really grieve when it knows that somebody has died. Now, for me, that's interesting. The love of most will go cold in the end times and there'll, there'll be no grief over people who die. And the person who was at Google started saying, well, you know, it depends on who you are and your relationship to the person, if you grieve or not. Some people will just cry and cry and cry and others, they will kind of laugh at the stories about the person and they'll be a little more jovial about it. And, and this thing is going back and forth with the person at Google and you're going... This is not a program. This is a person. You should look it up and just read the text of this conversation. And so you put all that together. You stick that in the giant. And all of a sudden, that giant is communicating what the false prophet wanted to communicate about the beast. And you could see how people would worship the beast. And the beast, if you put a technology into it where it has cameras or eyes and optical and it can see what's going on, it can read everything out there. Years ago, I, I explained this to you, uh, years ago when we had a home fellowship it was over at Brendan Allen's house. There, there's this website, this drone that is at 40,000 feet over the air, and they wanted to see what was going And it could stay up there for days, even weeks. And it would look down on the city to see what's in the city. And it had the ability of facial recognition technology, and it could read license plates, and it could identify a bird that's different from a plane that's below it, that's different from a car, and what kind of car, and people that are down there. It could identify all of that. So you stick that technology with the Google... L-A-M-D-A, and all of a sudden you've got this omniscient being that is in a giant form that knows everything, that can see you, and for all intents and purposes, it's like a person, and this is what could be what the false prophet gives breath to, at least what we would perceive as breath. It's almost a life that's sentient, but it is not human, and it doesn't have a soul. See, that's the difference. That's a copycat again. Where the Antichrist or Satan comes along, creates something, doesn't have a soul, but has all the indicators of life. Now this, all of this, is true stuff. It's in the future. It could be going this way. Is it likely that it could? I think it's highly likely that it could be like this. So that's who the Antichrist is. That's who the false prophet is. That is potentially who the image of the beast is. Now, where we left off last week is in verse 6, and it says, And you, or now you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. And I told you there are two things that hold him back, the what and the he. Now, can the what and the he be the same thing? Yes, they can be the same thing. Uh, the research that I've done on this, I, I, I could see it. We're using two different pronouns. Now, the what is a neuter pronoun. You have you and, and <clears throat> you have them and you have they and you have it. By the way, are we into pronouns in this day and age? 
we are certainly into pronouns in this day and age, but when we look at the scripture here, we have a what and a he. Of course, he is a masculine pronoun. Uh, the feminine pronoun is used in scripture of inanimate objects. Like if you go to Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1, it speaks of wisdom, and wisdom is called her. A feminine pronoun is used for her. If you look at the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit and the pronouns used for the Holy Spirit... More than often uh, than not, it's he or a male pronoun that is used, but he also has like the word pneuma, which is spirit, and that's neuter, and also is referred to as in the feminine pronoun. So he has all three that are directed towards him, but the Holy Spirit is a person and chooses more often than not to uh, deliver his, um, his identity as he or in the masculine frame. So you have a what and you have a he and the he must be taken out of the way and the what is holding him back. I'm going to submit to you right up front that I believe the what is the church that the Holy Spirit indwells and the he is the person of the Holy Spirit. Um, And just to clarify this a little bit more, you can have a what, like for instance, a car. It's a what? It's a car. But sometimes people give names to cars. I think there was a movie in the 80s, Christine. It was a demon-possessed car which was out there, and it was in the feminine. And so you see how that can work. Well, what about the church? The church is referred to in the feminine form, the bride of Christ. We know that, but it is also a what. So it could be in the neutral form. So this what could easily be the church. It could also refer to the Holy Spirit. But what is the context being used? We're answering two questions. One is the rapture of the church. The other is the day of the Lord. When are those two things going to happen? When are they taking place? When the other two things take place. What? The removal of the church and the advent of the Antichrist. That is what's going to take place. But before those two things can take place, the what and the he has to be taken out. The church, in context, is going to be raptured. When is it going to be raptured? If you go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, the departure. I don't think it really is the rebellion. I think it's the departure. The premillennial, pre-tribulational removal of the church from the earth to be with the Lord in the air, as according to John chapter 14. So you see how this can work. The church has to be removed. In the context, is dealing with the rapture of the church and the day of the Lord. So the church is taken out. The Antichrist is revealed. Then the day of the Lord begins. And so the context determines the interpretation of the scriptures. We don't want to go beyond the scriptures, but you have to back up for a second and you have to say, wait, is this reasonable that this text is communicating that there will be a departure of the church before the tribulation period? The answer is definitely yes. That's what it's referring to here because the people were concerned about being in the day of the Lord. As I said last week, if they were in the day of the Lord, they wouldn't be concerned. They'd be encouraged and excited because they knew the rapture was the next thing that was happening. And then you would also know the day. And the people who are mid-trib, they say this is the day, the abomination, desolation. The people who come after that, the pre-wrath people, they're five and a half years in. You still know the day or at least the week, the time that it's going to happen. And the Lord says, you don't know that time when the rapture is going to happen. And so that's why 
when you interpret the text that's here using the text and the context of the text, you can see how there is the pre-tribulational rapture of the church, the Antichrist is revealed, and the day of the Lord happens. And by the way, the Antichrist will be revealed not before the rapture, but before the day of the Lord. So you, you got the timeline down? Now we've been over this how many times? I mean, we've been over this and over this and over this. <clears throat> but I, I just want to make sure you have it down at, at least one more time because we need to communicate this to the other people that we know. Like, what is the rapture? Who is the Antichrist? What is the day of the Lord? What is the tribulation? Who is the rider on the white horse? And if you can engage somebody in that, and I, I think you ought to just try and experiment this week. Go out and talk to somebody about the tribulation. Dude, does it look like the tribulation's coming or not? Or you could say, sister, do you think the tribulation is coming or not? You could just break open in the conversation about that. And you have the scriptures here. Matthew 24, Mark chapter 13, Luke chapter 21, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, book of Revelation, all that. You just put that all together for them and they're going to go either no way or tell me more. And then you can talk to them about the Romans road. How do you avoid the tribulation? How do you stay out of the 100-pound hailstones that are coming down from the heavens and destroying everything? And how do you get out of the wars that are going to be coming because of the four horsemen of the apocalypse? God told us that this is going to happen. Should we believe it? Yes, because all the other prophecies he has told us concerning his first advent, they came true. Born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin, that he'd be crucified. You, you go through the Old Testament scriptures, he'd be the suffering servant and not the, the uh, ruler that rules with an iron rod. That comes later. So all that information we need to give out. Now, there's some people who are just going to disbelieve you. <laughs> most. Most will not believe you. But you will be doing the task of going out and making disciples. You'll be giving them the gospel. And by the way, with this Holy Spirit being removed, some people say, well, you can't remove the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. The Holy Spirit is omniscient. And that is totally true. But his ministry is not omniscient during this time. It is only inside the 144,000 and the two witnesses. Now, it can be in the other believers that come as a result of their ministry, but Scripture says in Psalm chapter 139, verses 7 through 12, says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to he the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea... Even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. So the Holy Spirit is everywhere except in the heart of unbelievers. The Holy Spirit is in the heart of believers. The Holy Spirit is in hell. The Holy Spirit is in the ocean. The Holy Spirit is in space. The Holy Spirit is in heaven. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. So when you say the Holy Spirit is going to be removed or he is going to re be removed, it's his restraining influence that is going to be removed. Where is his restraining influence active today? In the church. You remove the church. We just voted, right? Uh, some successful, some not so successful. But we are the restrainers of evil in this world. The Lord takes us out. 
the restraining of evil ceases the left the progressives the communists the marxists they get everything that they want and by the way that is the type of government that has to be here in order for the false prophet to say you don't take the mark you die that's exactly what's going on in china and north korea you do as we say or you die so it is going to be a marxist leninist communist type of environment you will not be able to buy or sell. I'm sure there'll be shortages, famine at that time. We already know that's going to take place. But that's the difference with the Holy Spirit being here and the Holy Spirit not being here. Now, verse 11 says, For this reason God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe a lie and so that all will be condemned who, do, who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. <clears throat> so, rapture of the church church is gone holy spirit's influence is taken out the antichrist rises to power the false prophet comes up after the uh, seemingly fatal wound that the beast or the antichrist receives <clears throat> and then there's this next thing that comes along it is a delusion now i looked up this word delusion and it's singular and feminine which means it's one event it's not a group of events. <clears throat> if you take the deception that is out there today, men can be women, women can be men, uh, you can be called whatever you want to, you don't even have to be a human being, you can be an animal and people need to address you as an animal. Uh, racism is rampant and, and you know all the things that are out there that they're trying to get you to believe that January 6th and Russian collusion, that's just in our country. You go to other countries and the deception that's taken place there, that Kim Jong-un is the savior of North Korea, all of these deceptions out there, if you put them all together, that would not equal what this is. This is one singular event that takes place. Now you have to start to contemplate what kind of event would this be and are the people really going to be ready for that well the spirit clearly says that in the latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons and for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine instead to suit their own desires they will gather together or gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss the reason this delusion comes is because people refuse to believe the truth. Now, the truth is dealing with the sin in the world, the fallenness of the humankind which is out there, the redemption that God offers, the eschatology that the scripture teaches in the future, the destruction of the entire universe. All of that is what they refuse to believe. They, they say simply that we are evolving, we're getting better, we're going to go on to the next, uh, the fourth industrial revolution where we are going to mold together with technology and be able to get on the internet in our minds and we'll communicate with each other and just, and that's what they're told to believe. That's where we're headed is in that direction. But what would this delusion be specifically? If you've been around long enough, you know there are several different theories about this. One would be aliens show up. We have first contact. Now, this is a common one if you look it up. <clears throat> like, for instance, have you noticed the information about 
UFOs and aliens is becoming more prominent. And they're releasing information and they're saying, oh yeah, this is actually happening. And we're getting military footage. Just one off the coast of San Diego here of, of a pilot talking about, I don't know what that thing is, but man, it's moving. And you know, it's, it's taken off and it just zips out like a three to 5,000 miles an hour, just takes off. And there's no way that the technology we have, the jets can follow that. Well, what if those things comes and hovers over the White House and lands on the lawn? And out comes this guy, David Bowie, and he, you know that movie, right? So the day the earth stood still. And and so some alien comes out and says, we want to tell you, you guys are ready for the next advancement, uh, the next step in evolution. And we're going to give you all this information and we're going to cure all diseases. And this would be the great deception. We're going to tell you the way things are. And there is no God. and, And you just need to listen to us and we'll lead you in the proper way. You could see something like that coming about. Is it going to take place? Is it not? I have no idea if it's going to take place. But I do know this. There are things out there that we don't understand. Technology, which is out there that we don't understand. All you have to do is watch the International Space Station when they they focus on something that's in space. What? is that and then it goes blank and you can't watch it anymore and you know there's all kinds of videos you don't know which ones are real which ones are not real but there is technology if you do enough reading that is out there that we have no clue and and just by reminder again i've mentioned this before remember leonid brezhnev and for those who don't know he was the leader in russia during the cold war nixon uh, back then, they could listen to his phone conversation in his car in Russia. Back then, stealth technology, 20 years before Jimmy Carter was president, they had it. They had those stealth planes that could be out there. What do they have now? I, it, I think it's beyond our comprehension what they have now. <clears throat> and so, what lies in the future if it were to be quote unquote aliens? And again, I have no idea if it's aliens or not, I would think it'd be demonic, not just an alien, but it would be demonic. It could be that. Well, what else could it be? Uh, It could be the fact that this false prophet shows up and able to call fire down from heaven and it's televised all over the world. It could be something like that. And he could probably do other things. I would not doubt it for a minute if he split the Mediterranean Sea. You know, somewhere off of Italy because of the revived Roman Empire or it could be over in Greece. Who, who knows where something like this could take place? If you saw that, would you have a tendency to believe what this false prophet was saying? Well, that's how they did it in the Old Testament in the time of Jesus Christ. A miracle would happen and then the words would follow and the miracle was meant to buttress the words that you can believe these words which are spoken. That's why the miracles would take place, to buttress the word. So whatever miracle takes place with a false prophet or anyone else who comes along, they're going to give you some words. So whether it's an alien or whether it's this false prophet that does something that you just go, I I can't believe that. You're going to listen to what he has to say and it will be a great delusion. It could be something else. It, It could be a sign in the heavens, something spectacular that you never would have expected. Something on a cosmic level. I, <clears throat> I just saw a photograph. If the Andromeda galaxy was brightened up a little bit, it would be like five times bigger than the moon and you could see it when the moon was up in the sky during the day. Uh, but 
we can't see that. Well, what if something like that ended up happening? What if uh, the Andromeda galaxy just got a whole lot brighter and you could see it during the day? Uh, you know, or the uh, uh, supernovas which are out there, or some other cosmic event which took place. And then a person says it's going to take place, and then it does take place, and then you have to listen to what they have to say. Many things are possible, and all we can do is speculate, but the delusion will be so strong that everyone on the earth is going to believe it, and the message that is going to be delivered after this delusion is going to be in the spirit of Antichrist. It is going to deny God. It is going to deny Jesus, his Savior, the Messiah who came for us, the Christ. It is going to deny everything about God. And as I said, everyone will believe this except those who are going to be saved or have gotten saved and are still yet alive. Matthew twenty four twenty three it says, At that time, if any one of you says, Look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear to perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. So Jesus warned us, there's going to be something fantastic, a single event that's going to take place <clears throat> that we would say, we have to listen to what the message is from this event. This is a miracle. This is something that violates the laws in the universe. Then verse 13, as we continue here, says, But we ought, to always, or we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. So he tells us we are saved by the gospel, that we might share in the glory of Jesus Christ, and that we might stand firm, which means there's a possibility that we might not stand firm. He's encouraged us. Just hold the course. Even though things are going from bad to worst, even though wickedness is increasing, hold your ground. Stick to what you know to be true. Don't vacillate on that. Don't go back and forth like uh, the man on the waves, tossed back and forth by the waves and, and going to every wind of doctrine. Know what your doctrine is. Hold to it and be able to communicate it to others. And the stand firm and hold to the teachings mean with sin, salvation, morality, eschatology, redemption, and judgment. Now, just remember, like the judgment, we're all going to stand before God. And we're all going to be judged. And, of course, those who have passed from judgment with mercy to the presence of Jesus Christ, our judgment is one of reward, either giving, receiving a, a reward from Christ or being denied that reward because of something done in the flesh. But the people who do not have Christ will stand before God and they will be judged. The books will be open. If their name is not written in the book of life, according to the book of Revelation, they will not see God and they will go to Gehenna or to hell uh, in the future. And there's only two places. It is either in the presence of God or it is in hell. Verse 16 says, May our Lord 
Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. So he's leaving him with a word of encouragement. Don't worry. The rapture has to happen first. The man of lawlessness has to be revealed. What you have been told about this idea that the day of the Lord is here is not true. Stand firm. Stick with the teaching. Continue the course. That's the encouragement to us today. Just stick with the course. No matter how bad it seems to get, just stick with the course. Is it going to get worse for us? Well, it it could. Is it likely? Probably. Will we get a reprieve? You've heard me talk about this. Maybe. We might get a reprieve, but it doesn't matter. It's still going to end up here where we've been talking about. The son of perdition, the man of lawlessness, the antichrist is going to come. It's headed there. You can be sure of that. If it doesn't happen in our lifetime, praise the Lord. But if it does, you are the ones who are the standards. You are the pillars. You are the ones that people are going to look to when it really gets dire, when it really gets difficult. May the Lord bless you. May he fill you full of his spirit. May he give you the words to speak to somebody who is simply suffering under the weight even today many people can't even buy gas and get to where they need to go there are going to be shortages they they will come and go but it's going to be difficult and may god give you wisdom in pursuing him let's pray father we thank you for your word we know that these things are in the future maybe ours maybe someone else's maybe our grandchildren lord whoever it might be that has to endure a lot of the pain and suffering before the end comes. We had asked that you'd give them strength, help them to stand firm, help them to know your word, help them to know what the future has in store according to your word. And we'll communicate this with your help. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. Please stand.